0: welcome to another exciting edition of near mint comic radio your local comic shop shrunk down gamma irradiated sworn to protect the world that fears and hates it and aired live every week only on the non-productive network the only place that would have us i'm your host frank joined in studio as always by pete on near mint we rank and review comics from best to worst that's mint near mint good fair and poor to you newbies and try to guide you in what to read and what might be better to avoid hey guess what we are now on episode 10, maybe? Yes. 10, I think ish. It's Powers 10.
1: of X number five. A pox on both your houses.
0: That's the one. Wait, no, that's going to blow my mind through. You can't say a pox, P O X, and then house. I'm, I'm never going oh, to right. of this book. Darn. This in my head is. Com- Anyways, we're reading Hickman's Power of X number five. If you have been reading along and listening along with us, you know that, wow, the X Men have been going on a wild ride. Through time and space. That's actually accurate. Time and space. Uh, Powers of X has always been the bigger book to me, as in in terms of scale. Yeah. Uh, We're going to be spoiling Powers of X number five and everything that came before. Uh, But in terms of scale, because we've gone through uh, so many different epochs, we're going through like the founding era of the X-Men, the time in Krakoa, Uh, and, uh, the time right as Nimrod is destroying the last of the mutants. And finally, a thousand years later in the far future where something is happening, maybe.
1: Yeah, we've got X to the zero, X to the one, X to the two, and X to the three. Right. And And X X
0: to the two is gone now. Yeah, we do not have anything, at least in this issue, there was no X to the two. So nothing nothing about that moment where Nimrod comes uh, in, in full range of its powers, gets rid of all the last of the mutants, we presume, and Moira yeah. is killed uh, to give us information about when Nimrod first becomes. Yeah, in
1: theory, we but, wrapped that up. Yeah, it makes sense to but a so certain extent. Assuming that these timelines end when Moira dies. Which we yes. don't know. We don't
0: really know that. So in this story, we effectively get the backstory of how Professor X and Magneto uh, recruit both Emma Frost and uh, Forge to help build Cerebro, which was a big thing in the last few issues. Mm-hmm. Cerebro was effectively like a major Cerebro and the Resurrection Machine, which we is not quite a machine. It's a bunch of mutants who have the ability to resurrect other mutants when they work together.
1: Although it does bring up again the uh, the concept of a a biological machine,
0: yeah, that is which is
1: brought up in discussing Cerebro and what Forge is capable of creating now.
0: Right. So this really this Powers of uh, X issue is kind of a deep dive into the how tos, the sci-fi how tos of of how um, how this whole thing is supposed to work. The mechanics behind how making X Men effectively immortal yeah. is supposed to work, which was something well, I the criticized first, last yeah, issue. Yeah, that
1: was the, the first part. Yeah, that's is,
0: that's maybe fifty percent of this issue. Yeah,
1: right? I'd say there's like three parts to this issue. Oh yeah, this issue. what's what are what's there's and that? it's actually divided pretty pretty evenly between the X to the zero timeline with Forge with with Professor X uh, outlining his plan for Cerebro with Forge, then mm-hmm. in the X. One, with Emma, Frost, with Emma Frost, and Frost and the governing
0: of Krakoa and how they're yeah, going to leverage that up.
1: the pressure on humanity to make them uh, comply. And then we move to X to the thir- third, the thousand years in the future. Which is about what? Yeah, that's kind of my thing. We'll get back to that. All right. So
0: the, f- the portion of the story that involves Krakoa... Uh, A lot of it is some background on how this machine of resurrection works, which is a lot of the questions I had in the last few issues of this podcast, where I felt like it wasn't quite complete. It seems arbitrary, almost childlike in how I make backups of people's personalities and computers and, uh, you know, whenever I need to, I bring them back.
1: Yeah. I I, got to say, this this answered a lot of questions, but not necessarily any questions I'd needed answered. Yeah. This was mostly, you know, oh... Well, this is how we get the unlimited power that we need to do it.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I, at no point did I really question the powering of this thing or even where you kept that much data. I may have. This is where I would cut in a part of the podcast yeah. where I was like, how can you store that much data? That wasn't as much of my concern as the way it was presented. was it? When, and you look at this very issue. If yeah. you look at this book and the way X to the Third presents the Phalanx and how uh advanced civilizations work and how those things, that feels weirdly, sci- it's that weird sci-fi. Yeah. That sci-fi that's almost hard to pin down. It feels accurate, but you don't really know what's going on. I call it's like Dune sci-fi, if you've ever read Dune, <laughs> where you read Dune and you're like, I believe this is a world or a universe out there. I don't really know how it works, but from the context, I could pull out that there is some sort of There is a there's a law to this place, whereas using Cerebo to back up mutants still feels very arbitrary. It just feels like it's like, oh, trust me, it works. Don't worry about it. And even the notes in the interstitial are marginally better than they were, in my opinion, uh, than the last last issue. But they're still like, who's writing these notes? Why are they so informal at times? Why is, you know, Krakoa tech? A thing that's being referred to. Why is there a third note that says Charles Xavier has done this twice? Like such a like a humble brag. <laughs> if this is Charles's notes, yeah. It, the note is like it's. It is possible for a telepathic operator to replace their own mind with a previous quote uh, bracket legacy version, but doing so is incredibly difficult and would most likely require a skilled and experienced operator. Charles Xavier has done this twice. It's like it feels like it's just. It's goofy. It just feels weird, it's, right?
1: I, I, I wonder if it's supposed to be someone, someone writing the initial notes, and then someone else going in and adding further notations.
0: Ah, uh, like yeah, uh, like an editor one,
1: editor two, editor three, maybe. I'm also wondering if it's a, uh, a sign of some sort of dissociation. That Xavier has after doing it you a brought, couple of times. you
0: brought that up or something similar to that in the past. I think you're. I think it's wishful thinking. I feel like this is a very tight, well written story, and eventually some things are going to just be not as well written as others. Yeah. Um, That's called Hickman. <laughs> <laughs> well, the parts that are great are amazing. And it's, it, it drives me crazy that it's like the next page where every character speaking has their own voice so distinct and so them that I'm like, yeah, this is perfect. This is so good. And this is, you know, Emma being recruited as the the, uh, the face to the, the, the basically the narcotic division of yeah. this country that they're trying to form. It's the story is interesting. It definitely tries to answer some questions that, again, I don't know if anybody really had about how the cerebro and the resurrection machine work. It probably enter- introduces a few more question marks, like how Krakoa government is supposed to work, and especially that note I just read, right? All the yeah. uh, bringing back a an earlier a legacy version of your mind in a in your new body. Like, what does that even mean? What does Xavier having done that twice mean? Yeah. Like a Y. Yeah. So Xavier's walking now. He isn't walking Good in point. X1. So at some point, he's like, you know what? If I could have any body I want, let me have a um, body that isn't, yeah. isn't crippled. crippled. So let me do that. And at some point, did he also decide that he's going to put his an older version of his mind into a younger version of his body? Why would he do that? Yeah. Also, how? If he's the one doing it, how does he put his mind... I I guess he decides, he takes a backup of him. He's like, all right, this is a young Xavier. This is Xavier from two weeks ago, we'll say, Mm -hmm. or a year ago. I'm going to put him in the clone body that's being brewed in one of Golden Bowls, who we did (laughs) not bring up at all.
1: Gold balls, man. Gold balls. But anyways, oh. we're, we're in one
0: of his eggs,
1: and uh, then afterwards, I'm gonna take myself out and shoot me myself. What, what happens to Xavier after that? It's like, is there a some sort of body BIOS that operates independently from the uh, the operating system? These, these are the questions that I also do not need answered. We do, we're good. That we'll is find. that is one of my things. I, I feel like is going on with at least the first two parts of this issue. I I feel like this is a very complicated. Hickman created a very complicated way that all of this works, right? Which is very theoretically interesting, (laughs) I guess, especially to world builders. Yeah. Um, But he's he's so enamored with the world he's built that he's feeling the need to explain it all. Yeah, in lieu of a narrative. Yeah, almost.
0: Yeah, it feels like that's what. What maybe another thing I am picking up on in these interstitials, these little, these little text pages. Um, if you are trying to deliver a plot in them, uh, I am less excited than if, it like in, in previous issues, where it just felt like it was just a little bit of world building, a little bit of the illusion of of something out there that's bigger than the story itself. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's interesting. I. I'll, I'll tell you this: I'm intrigued about what the council for Krakoa is, and I'm looking at how many more issues we have left. I'm, uh, I'm going, actually a little bit
1: upset about this uh, council of Krakoa, the council of twelve, or the quiet council of Krakoa. That's yeah, it. <laughs> well, so comedy K's in there. We're in the next to the last issue of this uh, of this uh, book. Mm-hmm. You're, you're down to two more issues left, and you introduce. A new mystery? Yeah. It's like, okay, I get... It's it's a forever trope of the X-Men, at least. Probably a lot of storytelling. To introduce that... La- like, a new question at the end of your story. Right, yeah. This isn't the end of the story yet.
0: Yeah, I'm... I'm interested. I'm a little... A little alarmed that... This won't be addressed significantly in yeah. the story we've got. And I have to wonder do we, is this just the denouncement after this? Or we have two issues of just like, no, the climax was that X Men are now immortal and, uh, and, That's uh, they the stopped end them the story.
1: It might be. That's, that would be this, I That'd think that would be very disappointing.
0: disappointing. Yeah. It, it does, it would not feel, does not feel complete in and that way.
1: I, I will say that based on the, uh, the preview images for the, uh, the next two stories, it, doesn't, it does not look like we're going to be getting more plot. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, so like, it looks like stuff goes south. Yeah, and I don't want to pre-review things that haven't come out. There's
0: So far, this story, the, these books have not disappointed, so I, I, I feel um, a little uh, neckbeardy to be complaining about something that hasn't happened yet. So let's talk about what has happened in this book. The, the, the next big part... Do we actually want to talk about the big section of the story? Do we actually want to give some time to Namor,
1: the sassiest ruler in all of the Seven Seas? Real quick, I'm going to defend you a little bit. Okay. Because I think that the things that we've been discussing are based on legitimate concerns, based on the structure of the narrative so far Mm. and the amount of story of time that we have to wrap up. Yeah. You know, there's only so many pages. That Hickman's got to use. I feel like there have been movies in the past where I've looked at
0: the time of like what what's going on. Yeah. You're gonna or definitely television series where you're like
1: you're you're gonna wrap this all up right. Yeah. You've
0: got only got a few minutes. Come on. <laughs>
1: Uh like I feel like we're rushing towards a really big to be continued, oh. which should not happen in a series like this.
0: So there, there is a potential ending for this series that I think will be like maybe a half step towards disappointing, but not complete. And that would be um, we get a little bit more denouncement of the, of what's happening, you know, what has already happened, and then maybe like a sinister pause on uh, on Professor X saying, "But I'm really uh, Cassandra Nova or something like that," which. Uh, I, the way I just described it is terrible, but again, I have too much pre pre predicting what will happen. Hey, that's uh,
1: it's it's a real uh, interesting thing when you plug in the uh, the splash page for this. Uh, the quote from Professor X, which has said they will think we are doing one thing, but the truth is we are doing something altogether different.
0: Oh God, that's good. I hope so. I hope so. This is good. But all right, so let's continue on. That's um, you brought let, let's up Namor. Namor. Let's talk about Namor. Uh, love it. <laughs> I really did. I really enjoyed Namor. First of all, he's always hard to place within the X-Men.
1: Yeah, it, it's Marvel has this is he isn't he relationship with him being a mutant. Right. To begin with.
0: Which I'm not even 100% on, other than like, he's one of their oldest characters, and at some point he was referred to as a mutant very early on, before the concept really took hold, yeah. and the
1: X-Men even took hold, so... Well, the, the logic is that he's got ankle wings and nobody else in Atlantis does. Sure, but uh, there
0: are plenty of characters that have got things that nobody else has, and they're not all mutants. But he was
1: born with them. So that makes him a mutant.
0: I wonder if that's true. I feel like there are some characters. No, No, there was
1: that is true. But I wonder if there
0: are some characters that are born different
1: that aren't considered mutants. Theoretically, it's possible Mm -hmm. there there is, or there has been in the past, what's identified as the specific X gene, right, which is what determines whether or not you're actually a mutant.
0: And And we're I guess at some point the
1: yeah. submeritor had the x and gene Yeah, man, we, we've, we've a- determined that, yes, he does, in fact, have the x Yeah, gene and
0: there's, I mean, X-Men history is full of characters that are like this where it's like, oh, you're a cream mutant or yeah. something like that, where you're like, oh, I didn't realize. Like, I get mutant <laughs> is kind of more of a generic term, but it also is sometimes used with the capital M. What is, what's happening here? Uh, yeah. Regardless, he is approached by Professor X in this and gives his basically... Uh, Thank you for finally seeing the light and come back when you're serious about it.
1: Yeah. And like it's hard that. to argue with a guy that makes that pronouncement sitting on a Cthulhu throne. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, what was that?
0: I, that's how I make all my announcements, sitting on the Cthulhu th- throne. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm glad he got like two pages of story, if if that. Um, actually, I think, um, uh, maybe one, It's one, two pages of story presented on one, one page. <laughs> yeah. And he leaves a, he leaves a mark. I think it's interesting. I think if anything, this stands for a lot of the questionable mutants that people aren't really sure about, maybe mm. who haven't gotten, uh, any FaceTime, uh, in the series so far. Uh, always fun to see a classic character being brought out. For these yeah. reasons. It was also fun to see Forge. I think we skipped over Forge. Emma Frost has been in the book before. Yeah. So, you know, she's great. She's been
1: well presented in this. But Forge has barely been in it. I think yeah. he's been in the background and he's been mentioned as being he, instrumental in creating right, some of the systems that are going on. But he hasn't really, he, he himself hasn't been a big part of anything. Right, right. And All it's right. interesting to see his personality coming out. They actually, na- I think they nailed Forge's personality pretty well. Yeah, I think they did a good job with that. All right, so let's move on to X3. Before we do that, oh. a, just real quick, as Xavier's going on that little recruitment drive, that psychic recruitment drive. Oh, yeah, let's go through some of a, the best ofs. In what, that. what
0: is Sinister doing? He, uh... Looks like he's stowing a bunch of vials of blood. We assume, yeah, uh, and possibly
1: standing and on like several- a pile of dead sinisters. Is that what that is? It's yeah, possible. There's, there's several sinisters who are not conscious. Uh, man, citizen- knowing him, I would assume that they're dead. I really like. I'm
0: mixed about sinister in many ways but i i do enjoy his presence in this book oh yeah uh it's it's been fun and then there's omega supreme and uh, omega red omega red what
1: did i call him omega Omega supreme Supreme. there is
0: a there is a transformer in the background
1: uh and uh yeah i liked seeing exodus okay yeah
0: uh yeah an interesting an interesting group of people who are being recruited in to um to krakoa yes all right, let's go to the, the to the elephant in the room, X three, year one thousand. So when we last left them, I don't even remember what book this was. It could have been the Last Powers of X, it may have been before that. Uh, yeah. There was uh, the the phalanx. The phalanx was uh, the, was the, summoned summoned by whatever the. I guess Entities the future inhabiting of, Earth. Yeah, the people who are they. We they look like they're techno. They look they're organic to some degree, but they have a very symbiotic relationship with their machines. Uh, and apparently, at this point, they've already made a planet mind.
1: Do they appear to have blue skin, or is that my colorblindness? Uh, some of them lighting? do. The, the character that's speaking the most... The librarian.
0: The librarian who is speaking with Nimrod, the little floating Nimrod throughout, mm-hmm. does seem to have blue skin. But the elder who is absorbed by Phalanx in the very beginning seems to just have like this yellowish skin, unless that's just the coloration has changed in the book. I don't think so. Um, so it feels as if that at some point in the future... Uh, Earth makes a uh, world mind. I think is the term for it, or mm-hmm. a technark or something. Basically, uh, I think it's technarch and then becomes a world mind. We we've managed to connect all our consciousnesses together into a. We we're using every ounce, last ounce of energy from our planet. We've I think absorbed every last almost every last ounce of energy from our solar system. Um, like with a Dyson yeah. Sphere of some kind.
1: I'm not sure that we've absorbed it, but we're putting it to use. Yeah. That's the...
0: Yeah. And then uh, at this point, we have apparently reached out to the stars and asked the Phalanx to allow us to join their galactic collective. Big, big deal. Right? And um, in this, we look at our future selves... Getting dissolved by the phalanx, I guess.
1: Yeah, the the phalanx apparently consume those that they accept. Right. I guess? Sure. And I think in this particular situation
0: we we were accepted within the phalanx, but we weren't like, given higher order powers, we, or we're consumed, our, our intellect, humanity, yeah. Earthlings' intellect will stay forever within the phalanx, but our bodies and our planet will be absorbed, or no more living things will be there. Yeah. That's the climax that Nimrod is... It says is happening. It says he, he believes is happening. Uh, and then we get a lot of text describing types of universal society. So, we have gotten more details in this last few pages than we have gotten yet about what happens in the year, or in X3, thousand years in the future.
1: I still don't know at all how this connects to anything. Uh, It's exactly what I was about to say. It's like, I don't understand the connection, why the, I I understand that this is theoretically the future of the world we've been, of, of the story that we're, watching, but I don't understand why they're being presented together. Right. It's like, you would think that in a narrative like this, there would be a connection. The only connection that we see, the only clear
0: connection is Nimrod. Yeah. Nimrod's still there. Um, and it's apparently completely under tow. It was like a, like a helpful little Nimrod. Yeah. Um, there's arguments about what the level between machine and, uh, bio-
1: biology Good there's point. there's some of that. I think in, I think this is one of the clearest examples that we've seen that whatever the librarian is and the elder, they're not pure machine. Yes, definitely, because Nimrod refers to itself as being different from them.
0: Right. Uh, And then other than that, there's, I mean, the last time we talked about a world mine, it it was tied in again with Nimrod. Mm -hmm. Phalanx is, of course, an X-Men thing. Yeah, Uh, The techno-organic virus is part of that that long-standing X-Men space aspect. Uh, It just doesn't feel to directly tie in with anything, which I feel like maybe us being a little bit obtuse, a little, because clearly at some point, Professor X in our current in the X0 X1 timelines whatever yeah. is building a machine that allows minds to live on forever in mm-hmm. some form and and body making bodies becomes part of a machine yeah. as well so maybe that's it maybe maybe this is all just a, a advanced sci-fi story Hickman is telling about when we eventually become transhuman when we b- live past. The, the physical constraints of our bodies and we and our machines become one, uh, which is interesting, but way out there. Yeah. And doesn't feel like an X-Men story.
1: Kind of. I mean, I, I kind of get the X-Men tie-ins. Uh, yeah. Are, I mean, you've got the themes of what it what it means to be human, quote unquote. You know, who, who still counts. Right. Okay. Who, who has... Where do human rights go? Mm-hmm. You know, who, to whom does that apply? Those questions, I don't think those questions are being very well addressed in the uh, X to the third timeline.
0: I think partially because the reason why I feel, well, there's two reasons why I don't feel like this is much of an X-Men story in the X to the third timeline. One is so few X-Men characters are there, right? No yeah. time displaced people, nothing. It's just, it exists completely. Uh, Nimrod is the only name we know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other part is that there's no resistance either, right? So, so far, the phalanx is the closest we've gotten to an antagonist, and it's arguable whether they're even antagonists yeah. in this situation. So we could ask questions about where does this all go and wh- wh- where does human rights land, but without that kind of, without humanity pushing against it, it's sort of, yeah. it's hard to figure out what we're supposed to learn from this other than here's a possible future. Is it good or bad?
1: Let's explore the end game of... Uh Of humanity. Right. But to what end? Well,
0: to the end of our review and our ranking for this book. Powers of X number five. Um, All right.
1: Do you want to go first or shall I? I'll I'll take the shot at it. Um, I I have a lot of questions about whether or not this is going to wrap up in two issues. Mm -hmm. I have... A lot of problems with, uh, you know, how how quickly we're advancing things, and and if we're answering questions that need to be answered. But all in all, I think it was a very fast. What we did get presented with was fascinating, right? Uh, regardless of how it serves to adri- it serves to progress the actual plot of the books, so. I'm actually going to give it a near mint all right very good yeah. I, I I enjoyed re- it's almost entirely because I enjoyed reading it
0: I I also thought this was pretty enjoyable I thought it was a very good read a good story so far but I'm I, we're two issues away from the end and I want things that always feel like they're driving the story forward and honestly I don't feel the first two-thirds of the book really did they, they provided a little extra you know flourish Mm -hmm. and stuff they're interesting they didn't really give me anything new that i didn't know already to some degree Uh, on the last part that brings up the question of what the phalanx are doing really doesn't answer anything to me i'm i'm as clueless as i was before so i'm only gonna give it a good uh it was good but only good (laughs) Two more issues. I hope you're going to stick with it with us. Uh, We're we're excited to see this wrap up and to have probably a super long final episode where we're going to discuss every bit of this
1: and please don't be confused by the fact that we gave this book two different ratings for apparently the, about the same reasons yeah
0: no <laughs> it, it, this has been happening uh, throughout this entire I can't wait to give the entire run a, a rating uh, at, the, oh, yeah. a, at the very end because there's be so many times to uh, it's all over the place but uh, thank you all for listening if you enjoyed this episode of Near Myth, please like follow and subscribe so you get the latest in the podcatcher of your choice oh and leave us a good review so more people find out about the show Thank you, and we'll be here for you next week. House of X number six. Six. The final House
1: of X. This has been a non productive media presentation.